Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Slankson. And me, Ian Morris. And it is brought to you by you. Thank you to our patrons for continuing to support us each week at patreon.com slash uktech. If you're a patron, this is your extended bumper edition of this week's show. And if you're not yet a patron but would like to get our extended cuts, my weekly columns, and other things, head over to patreon.com slash uktech. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash uktech. And find out how you can support us for as little as £1 an episode. Um, now, we are back after a little bit of an extended amps, uh, absence, for which I'm extremely sorry. However, it was unavoidable, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, a very, very close uh, relative in my family uh, passed away. And it, uh, it, it, we were going to have a very short break for an unrelated reason and there ended up being a much longer break uh, for reasons that I'm sure most people listening uh, I hope will appreciate um, but thank you for bearing with us hope you also enjoyed our state of podcasting episodes um, we've got more of those in the bag coming up but we'll welcome any suggestions for topics or people or institutions or businesses or whoever that you would like us to interview uh, for a future episode really hoping to continue those series uh, into the future uh, and the other very good news um, to counter the sad news um, that, that I've had to deal with recently is that Text Message is up for a Webby Award for Best Technology Podcast. Now, this to me is possibly one of the biggest awards we could ever win, um, simply because it is so longstanding that it's the Internet Award to win. Uh, we're up against some massive names. Uh, we're the small fish against the big sharks of the world, the likes of Vice, Leo Laporte, you know, really big, long-standing behemoths uh, in the podcasting industry. And we're, a, you know, one man and his dog. Not that that's what I <laughs> see, see you as, mate. I, you spend most of your time on two legs uh, and you're <laughs> Not you know, much hairier than most dogs. Yeah, that is true. So it's been a mixed bag of a month, but we are back now, continuing as we intend to go on and not far away from our 100th episode. So we have got some ideas uh, for that but if you have any ideas or things you'd like us to do for our 100th episode whether that's special recording or a live recording or something with lots of people um podcast at natelangson.com would be a tremendous place uh, to send those thoughts now let's mount our news steed and gallop into the field <laughs> of this week's tech happenings ian yes uh, i see you're riding side saddle then, oh, apparently so in this abysmal metaphor that you've constructed for us Fibre broadband uh, advertising, that is, is being investigated uh, by the Advertising Standards is Authority. I think yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah, Advertising Agency? Standards Authority. Uh, it's Authority. Uh, 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 yes, fair enough. Okay, you've looked it up. Yes, I've looked it up. <laughs> uh, they, uh, the watchdog, is looking into the way that these so-called quote fibre broadband services are being marketed, uh, according to the a BBC report. Now, in some cases, writes the Beeb, ISPs are advertising services as fibre that rely on slower copper wires for the final connection into the home of the customer. Now, interestingly, this probe was not only prompted by co consumer complaints, but also uh, by a call from MP Matt Warman. Now, Ian and I both know Matt, as he happened to be a technology journalist for The Telegraph for some time. So the complaint 
is in part coming from someone who I think understands at least the fundamental issues of the technology underneath our streets. And the BBC reported that Warman had said ISPs were misleading customers by giving them copper when they expected fibre. Now, it's probably worth here explaining a little bit of of the difference between uh, what's called fibre to the cabinet and fibre to the home. Ian, do you want to give us a a brief explanation? There are two systems of getting uh, BT to get fibre to you. They can either run a fibre optic cable right up to your front door, uh, put a little termination box on it, and then some equipment inside your house, which gives you blistering fast speed i mean you know that that would be gigabit or more if you if they were able to sell it you know that there is virtually no limit on the speed that you can get through that kind of connection but what most people have uh is the infinity product which is essentially fiber delivered to a cabinet near you uh if you walk around your neighborhood you'll see these green boxes some of them these days have tend to have a bt super fast advert on them you'll be aware of the uh design that there's uh, some controversy about that as well believe it or not people don't like the fact they're able to freely stick these stickers up and sort of graffiti neighborhoods with them but um Essentially, what happens is that the fibre optic cable from the exchange comes into that cabinet and then inside that cabinet is is what used to be uh, a similar version of what used to be in the exchange. So there used to be this thing called the DS Slam uh, that was in the exchange. And what they've done is they've put fibre all the way to your little cabinet and then they've got a little mini version of that equipment in there, which then turns the connection between it and your home which would be like you know 100 200 300 meters or something like that into a very fast form of adsl called vdsl uh, which can deliver speeds of you know 80 plus i think up to about 300 i think they do there is a possibility of 300 meg broadband on bt now so it's it's a good system and again uh, virgin it's a similar system what will you what you will tend to have is there'll be a fiber optic cable that will run from a, a central virgin hub in your area and that cable will run around the neighborhood to a point uh, but i am under i understand uh, and actually the guy quoted uh, in here is from think broadband and i've spoken to those guys a number of times in the past um and they t- they assure me that you could be as much as a mile away from a virgin ca- virgin fiber optic cable anyway uh, but virgin uses a different system to get its broadband to the home it, it, it uses very thick coaxial cable uh, which means that they can you know deliver a, a reliably a lot quicker um, connection to your house uh, than bt can and that's just a historic thing because obviously bt only has this copper pair going to houses whereas virgin has put its own cable right up to your front door and those 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 coaxial cables can still have speeds of hundreds of megabytes uh, megabits per second and that's why we can still get incredibly fast speeds on virgin media but there is one other category of fiber which is much less common i think only maybe a couple of percent of households in in britain can get this sort of connection which is fiber to the home which is literally where a fiber optic cable through bits of boxes here and there perhaps is basically going straight into your house there are some isps like zen i think hyper optic i'm not 100 percent sure if google fiber in the us is also fiber to the home but i strongly suspect it is i know i know that verizon's fios is but again you know like that that at some point that fiber has to be turned into a cable a normal cable and it has to be sent and that's really i mean that i think i guess that's sort of the point is that they're saying that this last bit of that bt connection isn't fiber but it doesn't really matter well this is the, this is where it comes to the crunch and we can conclude a little bit a bit on this and invite listeners to send in their opinions is whether this is a real problem because this is this 
this is all a definition. You know, at the end of the day, you could say, well, you get fiber in, you know, to who has fiber in that case, basically, because whether it's coming to your house via coaxial cable or coming to your house via copper, you're still getting exceptionally high speeds. Yeah. And literally no one does. Like, I, I mean, y- you you raised a couple of companies that would do fiber to. And again, it'll, it'll only be in a hyper optics case. They tend to concentrate on doing blocks of flats. So what you'll have is you'll have you will have a fiber optic cable will come into the block of flats, be terminated there. And then each flat will be cabled in a different way it's probably using ethernet to be honest but even so it's not fiber all the way you you could get caught up in the semantics of it quite easily but it's still fiber broadband the closest comparison we've ever had was in the sort of late 2000s where companies were advertising unlimited broadband and they and 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 they weren't limited they had fair usage policies which Ian and I talked about at great length during CNET and and also when I was at Wired and we got away from that and then the other thing that would happen is the up to speeds where people said up to 24 megabits per second but some people were getting eight the fact is they lived a long way from the exchange and because of copper cabling the distance the connection had to go meant that there was disintegration of signal and therefore slower speeds I think honestly that's that's part of the problem here is that um with bt infinity you are there are there is a chance that you will not get the full 80 meg or the full 40 meg or whatever it is they offer on that low end uh tariff so and and that's that is i guess for some people annoying but again it depends on how far away you are from your cabinet and the quality of the line between you and it and and and, you know that there are a lot of factors at play here uh including your home wiring and stuff like that so Certainly. Well, the uh, a statement that was given, uh, according to the BBC, from the Advertising Standards Authority said it was acting because of, quote, evolving concerns uh, about the way fibre broadband services were advertised and that it would consider whether ISPs should be able to continue using, quote, fibre broadband to describe both full and part fibre services. My general view on this is that, and, and perhaps Ian's, is that this is not actually a major problem right now. <laughs> no, not in, a, not in a world of, you know, all the other problems that we've got. I couldn't care less about this one. No. I mean, clarity is generally better when it comes yeah. to advertising and honesty. Is um, I don't think this is a problem. However, I invite people to give me experiences yeah. and give Ian reasons to argue as well. Uh, podcast at natelangston.com. If you are a customer of one of these services and are getting much worse service than you think you should, we'd love to hear from you and get some real-world examples about why advertising in this form maybe should be reviewed podcast at natelangston.com Now, a quick one here. Just wanted to note this. Google Home and Amazon's Fire TV stick with its uh, built-in voice assistant is they're both now available in the UK, launched within a week of each other in Britain, and it's the first time that both of these products have been available outside the US. Now, the products themselves, though come at two very different prices. The Amazon Fire TV stick is about 40 quid. It plugs into an HDMI port in the back of any television, well, that has an HDMI port, um, whereas the Google Home is about is about 120 quid, something like that. It's a little bit cheaper than the Amazon Echo. Um, and, and broadly speaking, they are very different products, but the Amazon Fire TV stick allows you to get the voice assistant service into your house for about £100 less than you would have to spend in order to get an Echo. And if your TV is on in the house frequently, as I understand many people's are, then this might be a compelling alternative to spending £150 on an Amazon Echo. Uh, Google Home, on the other hand, offers offers very similar productivity to the Amazon Echo, but of course it's had 
something like six months less time on the market to develop um, its equivalent to skills and being baked into local services. But there are a lot of things it can do in terms of reading the news, checking weather, uh, and, and a few local services as well. And I'm curious, Ian, about your, your general view on these systems and um, if you've got any early thoughts on the Amazon and, and Google products. Yeah, I mean, I, I use uh, the Amazon voice assistant. <laughs> I can't, it's really hard to do this. Um, I, I, I use it all the time. I have two. I have a dot and I have a, a, the main, the, the speaker one, which I keep in the kitchen. My kids love it. It's great fun. It's useful. You could order stuff with it. I really like it. Uh, you know, you can build your own Amazon Echo as well with Raspberry Pi. Oh, yes, because... Um... It's open. Yes, there's this, you can, there's this you can inside. Install... Uh, uh, oh, I can't say it, but it woman's name inside or something, isn't it? Well, the thing the thing about Echo and the uh, the, the the woman service. I, again, I'm trying not to say it. Um, is that it's all done in the cloud, so it doesn't all they all you're really doing is interfa- interfacing with the thing through a microphone and uh, a speaker. So it's relatively easy to add it to other things. Uh, all the clever stuff is done by Amazon, and they have a very good API apparently, which enables you to connect to it nice and easily. So uh, yeah, so for about sixty dollars uh, US, you can use a Raspberry Pi and, and build your own, which would be great fun actually as a project. Um, I mean, it, it won't obviously have the slick look and it probably won't be worth it by the time you've sworn at a soldering iron for 35 hours. Hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's it's it, it's a good thing if you're handy and you want to sort of build stuff. I mean, it'd be really good fun, I think. I might give it a go. Well, um, I've got a, a, a review unit from Google of, of the home. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to look forward to uh, having... Uh, the Echo and the Google Home side by side and, uh, and and seeing exactly how it compares. So look forward to that over the next couple of weeks, all being well. We'll maybe do that as an audio feature for obvious reasons. Uh, but you'll probably want to listen to that away from your Amazon Echo or your <laughs> Google Home because, my God, will that be a cluster uh, fiddle. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, we managed to get through the entirety of that discussion without saying the name of Amazon's product uh, with a woman's voice. Uh, so just for good measure, Alexa. Ian, I wanted to just break away from news briefly to have a discussion uh, for three or four minutes about something that I found in my brain has been a little battle. It's been controversial in my head. Uh, This concerns a product Apple released a few months ago called AirPods, little wireless headphones, quite expensive, no cables, plug them in your ears, they connect to all your iOS devices. Now, I've been using these for some time, and I've been bizarrely impressed with them. Uh-huh. Uh, and, I, and I thought now is a good time to do it. Just a little mini little mini review, a little explanation about why, and, and to uh, encourage some of your comments, and also those from anyone who's bought them in the audience. Um, so I did have to think back to how I felt when they were first announced, because I remember being a little beside myself with just shock that such a thing could exist for the the price and in the form that they were Uh, and i sort of thought if i phoned myself up in the past uh on the day the airpods were announced and asked myself what i thought of the new product um, i'd probably expect to hear something back a little like this (laughs) 160 pounds for a pair of what are basically the earphones you get with an iphone but without a cord same poor sound, I expect, but for the same price as an Apple TV and a sizable iTunes store voucher for content for it. Or the same price as a really good pair of wireless headphones like the AKG Y50BTs or Sony's XB950s. <sighs> Someone put socks on me because this tickles. Now, the, the truth is that they are 
expensive. They're, they're, these things are 160 quid. Um, Apple says they have great sound quality. The sound quality is great for speech and is passable in a quiet room for for casual listening to audio. Um, but I, I set myself a challenge, and I've used these and only these now for the last month. Um, and I've, I, I'm at this point where when I have to send the, this review, review unit back to Apple, I'm I'm probably going to buy a pair. Oh no. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you because actually I think the idea was very smart from the start because ultimately it's what people want. People want wireless headphones and they want all that, the niceness that Apple brings, which is you take them out of the box and they start working. It's smart. They are incredibly simple to, to pair. They, if you're using iCloud across, say, uh, an iPhone, an iPad and a Mac uh, like I am, then no matter which device you're on, in the sound menu, you just press AirPods. And the sound just starts coming out of them, you know, within a couple of seconds. No holding down a button to repair, anything like that. You just press them and it happens, which is great for me because it has meant that sometimes I'm at my desk at work and uh, I, I want to listen to some music and I press AirPods and the music comes on. Or uh, I'm going to the bathroom or going for a bath or something else. And I on my iPhone, I press AirPods and I'm listening to a podcast or an audiobook or I'm on lunch and the same or I'm in a chair with an iPad and it's again AirPods it it works really really well in a way that Bluetooth is fiddly and annoying yeah and and Siri works over them as well doesn't it so you can uh, ask for things to be played to you Siri Siri does however I don't use Siri for basically anything so I've not really used that but it does work as a wireless headset for calling and I'm reliably informed by my brother Andy who as many of you know is a journalist for CNET and and very familiar with all things tech so the the sound quality that he received from me speaking over these things was very good and sounded clear so so that's really reassuring and the other thing is I sort of expected these things to fall out when I was running which admittedly happens about once every four months but, <laughs> but recently did have to run very fast for a train to get home for reasons mentioned at the top of the show and they stayed in um, so that was great too and the other thing is is that while the sound quality is not good I mean I'm a, I call myself a bit of an audiophile I'm an audio snob I don't mind admitting it I like hi-fi headphones at my desk i like good audio processors for my stuff at home and i still buy cds uh, as a as a compromise for good sound quality and convenience you know i'm not going to sit and listen to music through these things out of choice in the future i'm going to still use my bluetooth ones but i would still constantly use them for the likes of audiobooks podcast radio even streaming stuff from tv if they just happen to be in my pocket because they're very unintrusive the battery life is excellent the batteries charge very quickly um the the little box that it comes in is not just a case it's also a recharging station i get probably a couple if not three times uh, refill uh, what am I trying to say here? They'll recharge the AirPods themselves about three times in that box before the box itself needs to be charged. So I've gone like over a week without having to plug anything in, uh, just on general usage for, for for podcasts and stuff. And um, and I think that for me, for somebody who you know consumes so much spoken word content and likes consuming them in places, you know, like in the bath or in the bathroom or doing the dishes or going for a walk, you know, things like that. That, I don't know, there's something that allows me to consume more of that as a result of having these very small, discreet, uh, quick to connect to little devices than putting on big headphones or having everyone have to listen to what I'm listening to out of my phone speaker or computer speaker. So for those reasons, I've been very, very impressed. But the main reason I'm impressed by these is the technology, the wireless technology works so well that it just makes me excited for what the next version is. You know, we have already seen the tech baked into a pair 
of um, Beats branded headphones. And I'm sure there'll be a premium version of the AirPods that have maybe sound isolation. Apple used to make these themselves. Doesn't surprise me or wouldn't surprise me if they do again. Um, or being baked into, you know, bigger Beats products. And would that make me part- finally buy a pair of Beats? it's hard to believe because so much better exists for so much less money from the likes of AKG and Sennheiser. Um, but I'll tell you something, it would get me several steps closer to being convinced. And I think it's all down to the technology. And that's why I think these products are impressive. Woefully overpriced, £160 for what are still technically bog standard Apple earbuds, just with slightly better bass in my experience. I think that's because of the longer stem um, and uh, and the wireless stuff. I mean, it, it is a hell of a lot of money. A hundred pounds would still be expensive, but frankly, 160 is is still, I think, a bit of a joke. But nonetheless, if you get, if you're the sort of person that can really pull a lot of value out of what they uniquely deliver, and I might be one of those people, then it's it's money that I could still technically justify. Um, but uh, but for everybody else, uh, you know, I think it'll still be a tough sell. But I have been way more impressed by them uh, and by the technology than I thought I'd be at, at launch. So, you know, that's uh, that that concludes my review. And I'm I'm really keen for anybody to um, to let me know if they've bought a pair and what their experiences have been like or if you disagree with anything I've said. Uh, podcast at natelangson.com would love to hear your opinions on uh, on Apple's AirPods. Well, a couple of final things uh, we wanted to get to in the news. Um, The first, it's something we've been over before, but the European Parliament has approved the end of mobile roaming charges in the EU starting on June 15th. Ian, are you surprised? No. Good. Me neither. (laughs) Now, VentureBeat wrote the report that I initially read on this. It's a formality, let's be honest. The Parliament voted to approve the thing we all sort of knew it would about an agreement to end the roaming charges across the EU uh, by the date that we thought it would. Now, this plan was originally announced a couple of years ago. We've discussed it at least twice since then in in memory. Most recently, I looked up on episode 85. We went into great detail about this and, and how it might work, what to expect. So do look up episode 85 if you'd like to hear our detailed discussion on this topic. We briefly discussed it as well in episode 90 uh, for a slightly different reason. Um, but uh, it's safe to say that, that this is going to happen now. So from June 15th, if you're traveling from uh, the UK to France, to Germany, to Spain, and to you know over 20 other places in europe then uh, goodbye roaming no more bills job done finished post brexit who knows but it's pretty likely it'll continue because why wouldn't anybody want it to however coming to our final story of the day if you are in the banking district of london which i am although not right now i'm in hertfordshire right now uh, but i work there then uh, good news <laughs> o2 is bringing free one gigabit per second or gigabit as most people would just say wi-fi to the city of london uh, that is the city of london not to say london the city it's the, the bit in the east where all the banks and uh, and things are and have been for hundreds of years um it's called the square mile they're going to get this wi-fi connection from o2 uh, according to a report i read on engadget this week now we've got lots of free wi-fi around london notably in and around the london underground stations but this is the first i know of here to provide gigabit wi-fi for free now o2 already has a free wi-fi offering you generally see this in bars and restaurants and hotels and things and this seems like uh, something of an extension of that albeit for a specific reason and engadget reported that this is a multi-million pound deal uh, that sees a company called 
Cornerstone Telecommunications Infrastructure Limited, um, which itself is a joint venture between Vodafone and the parent of O2, Telefonica, to place what are called small cell 4G mobile hotspots all over the uh, areas of the city on lampposts, on street signs, top of buildings, on top of CCTV arrays and things to provide this blanket coverage across the city and the final thing i wanted to point out that i read as well is that the kit they're installing to enable this this service will be upgradable to 5g down the line so um you know good news in terms of upgradability uh, and it gives you a signal of where we might see the first blanket 5g coverage coming from uh, in london ian thoughts my friend yeah i mean it's great isn't it i i think that there's a lot of merit to this kind of thing happening you know across the country in every sort of region uh i you know i who doesn't want broadband ultimately it's for free nice. very fast yeah for free for free yeah um and you know i think if we're going to I suppose I'm going to have to say it. If we're going to survive Brexit, then we're going to need to have lots of things that, you know, speak about this country that we offer uh, that other people don't. You know, if if we're going to go uh, uh, go it alone as a market on our own, then we need to be able to sell ourselves as having good facilities. And part of good facilities means, you know, things like free Wi-Fi, uh, good 4G coverage, all that kind of stuff, you know, like... Um, yeah, I I just feel like it's uh, it's one of those things that we're going to have to get very smart about uh, and that the government needs to be involved with and has sort of neglected. But it's good to see private companies being involved in this as well. And it's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of Wi-Fi, you know, this, this Wi-Fi in, in the area for a while. I think the cloud, which I believe Sky owns now. Although I might be it wrong does, about yes. That. No, yeah. you are right, I believe, yeah. Um, they They've had coverage in, in a lot of areas and i think in the square mile in the same area for for some time uh, but obviously this is uh this is an awful lot uh, an awful lot faster um than than that and, and hopefully would spread around uh, around the rest of the city you know which would be which would be great now here's an interesting fact in the uh, th- this project will actually replace the one uh for the cloud that the cloud currently offers and it's going ah, to be right. fully operational according to a, a release i read on the, from the city of london uh, in the autumn of this year so this actually not only is it uh similar to what's being offered before it's uh it's super, it's replacing it we can go and uh play pokemon go on it good lord chief yes well that's going to do it for this week uh, for us let's check in with our good friend my dear friend Tom Merritt over in the US at Daily Tech News Show to find out what's been going on this week in the wider world of tech Tom. Hey, thank you, Nate. This week on DTNS, we talked with Veronica Belmont about what chatbots need to do to catch on, discussed with Nicole Lee why Twitter would want to tie itself up with cable TV companies, Rob Reed scared the pants off us regarding AI and bioweapons, and taught us just how important sci-fi is to that. We learned why Japan is making Bitcoin more legit, and talked about why it's so hard to leave your mobile ecosystem. All that and a whole lot more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Cheers, Tom. Um, now, Ian, that's it. We're done. Uh, just leaves me to remind people that uh, if you are not currently uh, supporting us on Patreon but, but would like to contribute uh, for as little as uh, a pound uh, an episode, then you can do so. And uh, for very little more than that, you can get access to our extended cuts, our columns, our raw as live recordings, which some people do benefit from. That's the stuff where there's no editing. It is literally everything we recorded without anything cut out, including all of our gaps and tangents of which there are well this week a lot um uh, patreon.com slash uk tech uh, if you can afford anything to support us over there and if not as ever 
please keep listening to the free version that's not going anywhere at all and uh, the reviews you leave on uh, on the iTunes store in your country or any country of choice and telling your friends and colleagues is always appreciated and is still an amazing way to support us and the show and thank you very much for that um podcast at natelangson.com and at text message pod on twitter now the exclusive place to access ian <laughs> uh, since he's yes. left twitter for the time being well i um, haven't i mean i just i just mark my account as private and just don't check it so yeah. i haven't really left it's just yeah. oh but did you know if you're verified um and you could you can delete your account and come back within 12 months and it's all still there i didn't wow. know that well, that's but good to know. But if you leave it, if you put it as protected first and then delete it, it goes immediately. <laughs> so wow. uh, don't do that. Okay. Well, you can follow us on at text message pod. Uh, we post there throughout the week of uh, all the stories that we may discuss at the weekend, but also some that we consider talking about and don't, such as this week, mobile ad spending in Ireland jumping 63% or graffiti was, quote, dying out because kids are using Instagram and Twitter more for expressing their creative vision uh, or another game show, a uh, video game show coming to one of the UK's TV channels. Uh, these are all stories we tweet about and talk about on Twitter, but uh, sometimes don't make the final cut of the show. But follow us there at text message pod to get those thank you to everyone for sticking with us while i had my uh, personal downtime and we'll look forward to seeing you all again next week hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.